I have had the opportunity to be in banking and philanthropic giving, not just in financial advising. So I've got to see a lot of different aspects of how people do make impact with their money, whether they're giving $100, $10, or $100 million, how each one of those makes an impact in their own personal lives, but how that impacts somebody else's life as well. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. When it comes to life's challenges, there are two types of people, those experiencing the change and the professionals advising them. Life Transitions by Dr. Amy walks beside both, helping financial professionals and individuals navigate more gracefully through any life change. To find out more, visit dramy.life. I am here today with Shannon Foreman. She is the founder of Forethought Planning, and she has a dream to radically change how people consume financial education and feel financially empowered. So it is no wonder when we were introduced on LinkedIn by a fellow connection that we hit it off immediately. We are also fellow podcasters. She has a podcast called Thrive Forward. And I think she does some really important work, certainly in her financial planning firm, but also in some of the work that she does outside of that. She serves on the board of directors for Urban Ventures, which is a nonprofit organization. It's located in South Minneapolis. And the mission is to eliminate generational poverty. She's the mom of two fierce young girls and the wife of an incredibly supportive husband. Shannon, welcome to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. KBK, thank you so much for having me. I was binging your podcast all weekend, so I'm incredibly honored to share space with you today. Thank you. Well, I love that you have been listening to the podcast. You know what you're in for. Uh, The people who track my numbers are happy about that as well. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks a lot for uh, uh, tuning in. And I'm really excited today for our conversation. We're going to be talking about how people who are listening in, uh, especially women, but anybody who's listening in today, can use their wealth to create an impact and how doing so can actually boost somebody's confidence. So before we get into the nuts and bolts, can you tell me a little bit about why you are so passionate about helping people have an impact? That is a great question. And I think a lot of where my passion for impact comes to play is the impact that was made on my own life. So I come from a background where, in fact, money and financial planning was not a, it was a taboo topic in our household, much like many of the conversations I'm sure you've had throughout the podcast. But we didn't have it, so we didn't talk about it. And that meant that my family actually ended up relying on a lot of other individuals in our lives and in our community to be able to help us. From a very young age, uh, I remember, unfortunately, looking into a refrigerator and not always having food there. I remember my mom working three jobs and trying to make ends meet. 
I remember my dad being laid off from his job and having to deliver pizzas just to be able to pay his rent. And all the while, my parents really strived in being able to provide for me. My mom wanted me to go to Catholic school, so she enrolled me. I was a scholarship recipient child to be able to go there was, you know, was dependent on somebody else paying for me to be able to attend school. And I was always very grateful for those opportunities because I feel like they really cultivated me in who I was, but also allowed me to be able to see some of the struggle of life and that others experience and how to be able to, it's kind of like, that old saying of pull up your bootstraps, but it's not even pulling up our bootstraps. It's really just putting the effort in um, to be able to be successful and then serve to others and give back so that others might have the same opportunities. Because I know plenty of people, my parents were pulling up their bootstraps and it still wasn't good enough to be able to make ends meet. So how do we create change? And that sparked even more thought process in, in what I do. So my my background and my upbringing really allowed me the beginning of my story. What's also interesting to me is like, I'm sitting here and I'm hearing your story and we've talked a little bit about this before, but what really strikes me is you entered a field, you know, financial planning, financial Mm -hmm. wealth, and everybody has a different background, but certainly this field really lends itself, right, wrong or not, to people who are incredibly affluent, who are making an impact because maybe they're second, third or fourth generation Uh, wealth inheritors. And so your slice of the pie or the way you're looking at it, given your background, I think is really very different and very refreshing. So when we're talking about having an impact, it sounds like you're not just talking about people who are affluent, you're talking about all of us. Yeah, I I think from an aspect of you're so right. And that part of the reason why I got into the industry, I had a a a conversation with one of my advisors and I wanted to be able to help people and I didn't want to be able to compare my salary or what I was making to a man. I really wanted to make sure that I was making the pay that I deserve to have. And she mentioned wealth management and I literally laughed. Like I laughed. I was like, "How, how would I know anything about being able to help people in that space? And really it it brought me to the question of why shouldn't I be helping everyone in that space? Why shouldn't everyone want to be able to create wealth? It shouldn't just be for one type of person. And I remember growing up in my household, trying to battle money beliefs in my household because I had a a father who I absolutely love and adore, but had really built in a lot of money beliefs that were not serving for me when it came to, you know, people who had money weren't making smart choices with it or weren't doing good with it. And I saw the exact opposite throughout my career. I have had the opportunity to be in banking and philanthropic giving, not just in financial advising. So I've got to see a lot of different aspects of how people do make impact with their money, whether they're giving $100, $10, or $100 million. How each one of those makes an impact in their own personal lives, but how that impacts somebody else's life as well. What I find interesting is when I first got into the field many years ago as a consultant to the financial advising firm, one of the first books that I wrote uh, is a workbook called Creating Wealth from the Inside Out. And I start by defining wealth, and I don't define it just in terms of dollars and cents. 
So that raises the question, when you're talking to your clients or people in the community, what's your definition of wealth? Well, so I look at it as wealth care. It is comprehensive in nature. You and I talked about this. I feel like we kind of overuse the word holistic a bit and some people don't actually cling to that word. So I use the word comprehensive because I believe money touches every aspect of our lives. And wealth is defined not by the dollar amount in your investments or in your bank bank account, but how you are achieving the things that you want to be able to. How are you integrating all of those aspects together? I know that we talk a lot about balance in life, and especially as women, that becomes a word that we use so much. And I don't know about you, KBK, but I have never been a good tightrope walker. So balance is not really a word that is good for me to use. I've started to use more of the word integrate. And so having those conversations about integration with my clients, how does money integrate with your relationships, with your mental health, your physical health, your well-being, your professional life, the things that you want to be able to do recreationally? How do we make sure all of those things are tied together to create that vision of wealth for you? So really, when you're talking, I'm thinking about financial wellness as, as the, you used a slightly different term, but as really encompassing all those different aspects of who we are. And one of the things that I hear time and time again from the clients that I coach or women that I work with, and to be honest, sometimes I've felt this way, is how do you help people deal with the guilt that sometimes comes up when you're encouraging them to increase their wealth or to make more, but the people around them or causes they care about are still really struggling. So it's this disconnect between should I really try to put myself first and create wealth or should I, you know, maybe live in the, what I call the nobility of poverty and, you know, be in it with the people. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a space um, I too have have found myself in before. I I actually just had a post about that uh, on my social media because I've struggled with it. And I come to the space with each one of my clients as a human, right? We all have struggles. We've all had these emotions that we feel. And I think especially for women, guilt is a common feeling because people don't talk to us about wealth from a young age. We aren't talked about investing and growing. Instead, it's about how are we nurturing the people that are around us because we are that's our natural gift. As women, we tend to be people who are more nurturing than our male counterparts. Now, some men are nurturing your unicorns in a field of horses. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that I start to have the conversation of where does this guilt stem from? What are our money stories? What were the images? What were the words that you were taught? And how do we do that? I was just working with a client yesterday, and the homework for her was around her inner critic and higher self. What are What is your inner critic saying to you about money? Why are you not deserving of it? Why, if you had it, would you not do good with it? And then rebuttal that inner critic work with the higher self. What if I did have this wealth? What could I do with it? How much more could I give? How much more impact could I make to those organizations that might be struggling? And how much more of an impact would that make in my life? Like if I was able to give this much more X dollars, 
how much better would I feel knowing I have financial stability and now I'm able to provide financial stability to a person or a cause that is really important to me. It's really that abundance thought, you know, that abundance belief or philosophy that there's enough to go around that if you're making more doesn't mean you're taking away from somebody else that you can pay it forward. And one of the things that I I've certainly talked to a fair amount of people about recently, and I know many of the people that I've interviewed or friends of mine that are women of color will talk about some of the family pressures when you start to be the most financially fit or the most uh, you know, wealthy person in your family, those family pressures to support other people. And so how do you help somebody with that? You know, it's, it's looking at their money scripts. It's, it's doing exactly what you're saying. But what if you have a bunch of family members looking at you, you know, lovingly, but expecting you to bring them up along with you and knowing that that may not be the best move for you or even the best move for them? Yeah, I think it's about that lovely word, boundaries. It travels with us in every aspect of the word and it gets a lot easier to say it. Oh, I have these boundaries. But then when we have to put the boundaries in practice, it's oh, crap, like now I actually have to commit to something? Oh, well, it was really easy when I just said I had the boundary, but now I actually have to commit to that. And I think that's where communication really plays a big part. And it isn't that you don't love the people that you are surrounded by, but giving a handout versus being able to help that person learn. I, I go back to the old aspect of like you you teach a a man or woman, right? To fish, you feed them for a lifetime instead of just giving them a fish. So how are we involving them in an educational process to empower them rather than give them? Because if you're empowering somebody else that gives them the ability to create that wealth on their own too. So oftentimes I have these conversations with my clients and how could we provide resources of education and empowerment to those individuals in your life that you might feel like are for lack of a better term, sometimes sucking the life out of you because you feel like they're, they keep tapping you on the shoulder like, well, my rent is late or I need to buy groceries or I need to do this. And these are all conversations I've had in my own personal life too. Um, how do you make sure that you set those appropriate boundaries and have the educational empowerment tools inviting them to course education? So I do a lot of free uh, events and different things like that within the community. I have a partnership with Lululemon at the Mall of America, and we do and we will start doing monthly educational series. And this is where I say, tell people this is a great opportunity to bring somebody who is just new to the journey, help educate them so that they can be empowered to make those decisions on their own. And you can enforce those boundaries better by bringing them along in a different way than just writing a check or sponsoring them from a financial standpoint. Well, what's also interesting is the idea that you can set a boundary and by setting a boundary for yourself that's healthy, you can have a positive impact. And we're talking about impact using your money on somebody around you. So before we get into, you know, how having an impact with your money connects with financial confidence, let's talk briefly about what are the types of impacts that people can have? And, you know, often we know if you're a Rockefeller, you know, what kind of impact you can have. Mm -hmm. So let's drill this down to what I call, you know, just your average Joe Schmo. And I mean that lovingly because I'm an average Joe Schmo. Uh, and talk about kind of what are the impacts we can have so people understand 
that they can make certain choices with their money that can really make a difference in the world. Yeah, I think um, the most common pieces I have a conversation with clients about is where are they spending their money, where are they saving their money, and where are they investing their money? So where are you spending your money? Are you spending that money with local businesses? I have this conversation with my girls all the time, and I'm starting to teach them at a young age. Instead of buying Chipotle, who they'll survive if the foremans don't buy Chipotle on a Thursday night at eat-out night, or are we buying from the local family-owned spot? right? That actually has better tacos. No offense. But like, are we focused on on those types of spending habits? How are we doing? It doesn't mean that it's always going to be more affordable. I, I just saw a recent quote, you know, buying with a black business doesn't mean you're spending less money. Uh, it means that you're supporting somebody and you think about it in the aspect of that money is going to pay somebody's mortgage or somebody's rent or somebody's health insurance, right? You know when you purchase from a small business, essentially, that that money is going to that person versus when you're buying into a company uh, and, and spending with a big business. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not a big Target shopper. Of course I am. I like Target. It's just how do you balance some of that again? How are you making some choices within your life to make sure that you are, are spending in a way that aligns with your values? The second piece is, is how are you um, how are you giving that money or saving that money? So I look at it from an aspect of where are you donating and where are you housing your money? So where are you giving is like what nonprofits are you giving to? And that's most common because that's what people are like, okay, well, this is how I can make the most impact. Having spent most of my life in the banking industry, I also ask people, well, where are you saving your money? Where's your liquid money? Where are you? Where do you have your checking account? And do those financial institutions align with your values? What are they doing to impact the neighborhoods? What elements of lending are they giving to communities of color to empower home ownership? We know that there's a huge wealth gap and wealth divide within home ownership, net worth, and income in communities of color versus white communities. So how are the financial institutions that you are supporting making sure that they're giving equal opportunities to these communities to provide home ownership? And newsflash, they actually have to present you with this because it's by law. They have to have a binder. Um, I don't know if you know this, Shannon, but I'm a former FDIC bank examiner way back in the day. So I do (laughs) remember checking and not only do they have to provide it, but there's someone that comes in on a regular basis and makes sure that they're doing it. Doesn't mean they always do it, but certainly that's a, a reasonable request. Yeah. And, and what are they doing within the community? Not just what are, what dollars are they giving, but how are their employees active in the community to provide financial literacy programs? How are they building that educate, those educational resources to the communities that they are in? I think that oftentimes we think we have to just sign up with a bank without asking the questions of how they really align with our values. And we don't have to do that. We are very empowered. And instead of going, going with the flock of sheep, what if we change the direction of where the sheep were going? And we really did start to ask those questions and people aligned more with their values. And that's what brings me to the last point of, you know, where do we invest our money? To you and I, KBK, this seems like a great, a a very easy concept, but I, I get this kickback a lot that I didn't even think of this, Shannon. Where we invest our money, whether it's in our 401ks, in our traditional IRAs, in our Roth IRAs, or just standalone investment accounts, 
what are we doing and what are those companies that we're invested in? A lot of times people have thought that they've had to sacrifice returns and and align with companies that are not in their value system so that they could have growth and then whatever growth they have, they'll just donate that money. That's kind of been the mindset behind how do we repurpose wealth for good. The reality is there is sustainable investment strategies that actually allow us to make impacts into communities directly and companies that are supporting the values that are important to us from an environmental standpoint, a social governance standpoint, diversity and inclusion, equal pay, privacy, like all of these hot topics that we hear on the news. I don't hear a lot of people saying, okay, well, then what are the companies that we're invested in and what are we doing? Because every time we buy a stock or a bond, we're buying ownership or an indebtedness to a company that has to then pay us back or pay us dividends and we're allowing them to grow. What if we used our power with our money, which, it, you know, the majority of investments are actually in 401ks and retirement accounts. What if we took that power and we repurposed it to align with our values? So I challenge people to think a little bit differently about those topics. That is awesome. So we have where you spend, where you save, and where you invest. And so I'm going to take a quick break. We are with Shannon Foreman, and we are talking about having an impact and boosting your financial confidence. So after this quick break, I'm going to respond and share a little bit about where I save, spend, and invest, and then we'll offer you some tips and tools on how to go about this in your own life. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, it's Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I just wanted to tell you about my Breaking Money Silence Learning Lab. If you find negotiating fees and salaries anxiety provoking, you're going to want to check out my online courses in the Breaking Money Silence Learning Lab. I will help you conquer your fear of negotiating, help you break money silence, and ultimately help you be more confident in asking and earning your worth. Each of the lessons are easily digestible video lessons, as well as handouts. You'll get concrete action items. And once you finish the course, you'll have an opportunity to do a free laser coaching call with yours truly, me. So definitely check out the Breaking Money Silence Learning Lab. Go to breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating. I hope to see you there. Hi, this is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I am here with Shannon Foreman. We are talking about having a impact, using our money to have an impact in the world, the community around us, and ultimately by doing so, we also feel better about ourselves. And before the break, Shannon, you were talking about how we save, how we spend, and how we invest. There's three areas to look at in terms of what is our financial impact in the world? And one of the things that I think is really interesting and I wanted to share from my own life is that since I moved to a rural community where I feel very connected with the people around me, that where I have saved, spent, and invested my money has shifted. I think part of it is becoming more aware that I can have an impact like we're talking today and then really doing the work. I also think that the pandemic has had a little bit of an impact or a lot of it of an impact on uh, me wanting to support the local community because I live in a resort community. And as you can imagine, COVID hasn't really helped us flourish that much. Uh, We're almost at the end 
uh, but it's been a bumpy ride. So, you know, one of the things that I decided early on, and my husband and myself together, was in terms of spending money, of really shopping local. Uh, I live on a a street that has three farms. And so there are three working farms. So when we get our meat, we get it from the local farmer. You know, how do we support uh, the local brewer? And trust me, Shannon, we do that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And we're fortunate that it happens to be Lawson's Finest, which is a award-winning brewery. But, you know, what are the ways in which we can have impact there? Uh, In terms of saving money, I have always had my money at a community bank because I love the feel of a community bank. My background, like I said, was in banking Mm -hmm. and finance. And I just, it's always resonated with me. But as I think about having an impact, I'm not saying that's where people have to have their money, but for me, it's really important that they're doing important work in the community, that it has that small business feeling. And I think for many women, there's this sense of belonging at a community bank that maybe you don't get at a larger bank. And then when it comes to investing, uh, Shannon, you'll love to hear this. In our last meeting with our financial advisor, my husband and I started to challenge them on where our money was invested. And so while we're a little late to the the game on social impact and our investments, we are starting to participate. So I just offer that to folks to let them know that you can start in one area with one small task and look at where you can have an impact. So Before we get into those concrete tactics, just very quickly, Shannon, tell the audience a little bit about what you've seen in your clients that have gone like a similar journey for me from just having money to then really using their money in a mindful, purposeful way to have an impact. How do you think that impacts their financial confidence, their, you know, sense of themselves and their wealth? Sure. I think this is a really important topic as we experience a lot of generational wealth transfer to women as well, because I see a lot of my clients who have either earned their wealth or have been blessed to have been a recipient of generational wealth. And there's a level, again, of that guilt that is associated with, well, I got this, but so-and-so doesn't have this. And, you know, maybe I'm not worthy of having it. You know, what do I do with it? And I said, well, what if your, your money impacted the, you, you for good, your family for good, and the community for good. Well, I didn't know that was something that was even possible, Shannon. How is that How is that possible, right? And so then we start to have that conversation around values. And I see this switch for them. As soon as they know that those companies that they're invested in or the strategies that we are employing in their investment portfolio is aligned with their values, that guilt of having that wealth isn't there if they know the story behind what's happening with it and how it's growing and what those companies are doing with things. Then they feel like they can almost like justify and say, well, this is what I'm doing. And this is how I'm growing wealth responsibly. And then we we impact that conversation even further of, okay, how do you how do you want to give? How do you want to spend this money? What does it look like for you to enjoy it and to be able to enjoy it with others? And we really define that through the planning process and we repurpose those emotions of guilt or shame around the wealth that they've encompassed to be able to be impactful and positive. There's so much more that we could talk about, but we need to start to wrap it up. I knew we should have done a two-part series, Shannon. Maybe I'll have you back sometime in the future. But I want uh, the listeners to hear from you as to like what's one or two concrete ways they can start to 
look at their money, look at the impact that they could have, and then, you know, as a byproduct, feel better and more financially confident. I think the two biggest impacts that you can have is where you have your money saved because banks function based on how people have their money invested with them, right? Deposits are on the books so that they can provide lending opportunities to their business banking clients. That's a snapshot of what the banking industry is in in real time. But question what those resources are. Go in and have those conversations with your financial institution. If you don't know a banker, uh, then do your research and look at information on the internet about that company and what they're doing. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody in a branch location or even the 1-800 number and have that conversation with them. That would be the, the first place that I would start because most every day American has a banking account or a banking relationship. And so that's some place to really start with. The next step is that conversation on the investment side of things. One, I think it's important that we start to challenge our HR teams about what investment opportunities they're seeking for employment. So make sure that you have this conversation with your HR representative about what options are available for investing. What are the sustainable or ESG is the industry term around sustainable, responsible investing. Do you have an option within your retirement plans? If not, what is there available that they could look into to be able to have that as an option for you within your 401k? Outside of your 401k, if you have investments outside of that, then that's the same conversation you and your husband had, KBK. Start having those challenging conversations of what are the companies that you're invested in? What are those philosophies? And I think people need to understand too, it's okay to break up with your advisor if your values don't align. Um, I love that. I know. I, it is. It's hard, but it's been done. I've done it a few times. Sometimes you got to go. Yeah. And it, it, it's hard to give yourself permission in those spaces, but we are essentially the individuals that make the world go round because we are the owners of the money. It isn't just the money that makes the world go round. It's the people behind the decisions of where that money goes. And you have the power to be able to make those decisions. I love those because they're practical. They're, they're concrete. People can start. Start wherever it feels doable and start small. So Shannon, where can people find out more about your firm, about your podcast? And if they want to keep the conversation going, where they can reach you. Yeah. So forethoughtplanning.com is my website, has links to all of our social media platforms and our Thrive Forward podcast, where like you, uh, we are talking about taboo topics and and breaking those conversations up into bite-sized pieces so people can learn. I also hang out on social media, both on LinkedIn and Facebook, Forethought Planning, and then just my name, Shannon Foreman. On a non-compliance basis, I also hang out on Instagram. That's just my own personal side of things. I'm happy to connect with individuals. If people want to schedule a session with me and continue the conversation, they can just go to our website, forethoughtplanning.com backslash wealth assessment and schedule some time to meet with me. Awesome. Well, listen, I will put all those links in the show notes so people have them along with that blog that you mentioned. And it has been so much fun to break money silence with you today. Thank you so much, KBK. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. 
When it comes to life's challenges, there are two types of people, those experiencing the change and the professionals advising them. Life Transitions by Dr. Amy walks beside both, helping financial professionals and individuals navigate more gracefully through any life change. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.